Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. This week after news and notes, we're going to continue on with our player grades for the 2020 season by going through our midfielders and forwards. Apologies for taking a quick episodic break, but when a Bob Bradley interview lands in your lap, hey, what are you going to do? Hopefully you all enjoyed our episode with Bob. We got a really fun one coming up with next week. Back to interview format then. But first, let's go ahead and finish up our 2020 player recaps. But before that, news and notes. And first and foremost, my lovely co-host today, Chris. Christian, boys, how you doing today? Good. Things are good. Really windy today. Work was not fun, but it was good. It's a good day. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be doing the podcast. Glad to talk some footy with you guys. And we've got uh, some potential signings, some departures, confirmed departures, and uh, some... You know, rankings, just good old-fashioned fun. Yeah, doing well. Still kind of uh, coming down to earth from that last interview, for sure. A lot of good feedback. A lot of agreement with listeners out there. We wish we had more time. Trust us. But um, all in all, I think it was a fun interview for everyone, including us three. I was, yeah, one of the highlights of all of our careers, for sure. Bob was uh, quite gracious with his time. But we got a pretty big rock star coming next week. Should we tease it or just let people sit there in anticipation? No, we'll, we'll, we'll let them suffer. Let them suffer a little bit. We do have a, a monster guest coming on next week we are super excited about. But speaking of new additions, maybe not in interview format to our show, but in potential additions to the squad, we know there are a lot of rumors floating around of potential signings. But before we talk about potentials, we have a report of a player who is actually in camp with the team. And perhaps Penn has gone to paper on that. So, Chris, why don't you catch us up? What's going on there, buddy? So uh, I saw this posted by our good friend Blake from LAFC Central, and uh, he posted up saying that Stephen Goff reported that a trade is completed and that Thomas Romero, goalkeeper, who is a homegrown player from the Philadelphia Union, is going to forego his last three years of NCAA eligibility, and he is currently at LAFC camp. Well, this is fantastic news, and we didn't have to follow Rich Orozco's Da Vinci Code to figure it out. I'm, I'm all for it. Goalkeeper is a need. It's definitely something we've discussed as an area we need to address. So fantastic news. I have to admit, I know absolutely nothing about this person other than they played for the Onions uh, and they have homegrown rights. But that's really as much as I know about it. He is uh, Salvadorian. And uh, I don't know if he actually ever did play for the uh, Philadelphia Union because he was in college. So I think it was just a homegrown player right thing. Yeah. Sounds like similar acquisition as um, Bryce Duke probably was, where he was with RSLs, kind of homegrown, never really played a senior game with them, but we acquired the rights. So excited, excited. Salvadoran makes me happy, obviously. Salvadoran American, it sounds like. But um, uh, a keeper, it's, it's not an immediate need, but if it's an investment in the future and Edge and Madre hasn't really seen the field, hasn't competed enough to press the other two then you know i welcome him being able to to hopefully do that i'm sure the staff sees something at him where uh in the future he can be a number one or he's going to press the two guys in front of him well salvadorian signings have worked out so well for lafc in the past let's hope that uh he pans out better than uh fito Zelaya. let's just try and keep him off the papooses all right yeah you need more at bats right all for one right now <laughs> a small sample size a small sample size i'll, I'll give you that 
So this kind of in true Murphy's Law podcasting fashion completely blows all the work I did at answering what was going to be our first question in today's show. But now that we've actually got a goalkeeper in camp, this completely ruins my entire thought on where we are going to go with next week's draft. So by the time we record our next episode, we will have completed our draft. So just to recap for everyone listening at home, LAFC has the 14th round pick in each round, both round ones and round two. So we know that round two and beyond the odds of finding first team talent is probably fairly slim. But in looking across the last three drafts, there have definitely been players that have panned out. Of course, Tristan Blackman in our case would be a notable example of that. But there are other great players across the league, Obobese, I mean, quite a few others that have certainly panned out from the draft. So what area on the pitch would you guys be looking to fill with a draft pick in next week's draft? You know, I don't know. It's hard because if we remember last year, LAFC had drafted a goalkeeper. They drafted that guy Callahan. And ultimately, those guys went into camp and nothing happened. So, you know, it's... They could draft anything right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll ever see him wearing an LAFC kit. So I think that's just the way that the system is set up right now. But, I mean, I could see them drafting a a defenseman or a midfielder because ultimately these are going to be people that still need to have some time to develop. And so it's a project player. It's not a player that you're going to expect to see getting minutes anytime soon. I feel like... LAFC is probably going to get some more midfielders, if not a central striker. I think they're really trying to create a pipeline, and at least one or two are going to leave within the next year or two. So that's going to leave a void. There's a couple behind our starting three right now, um, but who's going to backfill that? So I feel like they're going to really want to see someone in camp, see if they have what it takes because I feel like defensively we'll be deep if uh, this news from Blake is true. And then we have a plethora of left-wingers right now. So well, I think we need a striker, possibly, or a midfielder. Well, we know, I mean, if we don't think there's going to be a spot on the first team, I think it was, again, Philadelphia that traded their picks to Nashville in order to get allocation money seems like if we're firmly in the camp that there's not going to be a player that comes out of the draft that's going to fit a need for us, that we would have traded picks away to one of the new teams in order to get some of that allocation money. I mean, if Philadelphia was able to work that contract out with Nashville, one could only assume that LAFC could work out the same with an Austin or someone else who's looking to stockpile players at the moment. So that leads me to believe we do plan on drafting somebody. We do plan on drafting somebody we could potentially use. There is, I suppose, the option that it still could be a keeper. The folks at uh, MLSsoccer.com seem to think that we are going to be drafting Colin Shuttler, who is a goalkeeper who's currently playing, I believe, in Virginia at the moment. You know, a first-team All-American would be kind of a cool signing if that pans out for us, but it sounds like that need has already been filled. So who knows? We know where our depth is lacking. Midfield, potentially center back. Keeper is up in the air. Central striker. I don't know if you find a central striker in the draft. I think you might be able to find a serviceable defenseman in the draft. Certainly we had with Tristan Blackman. So, And, and I think keeper is a place where America simply has more potential and talent available to draft from. 
especially if we're 14th pick down. But we shall see. So interesting to see who comes out um, in the MLS Super Draft, which is taking place on the 21st. Yeah, speaking of our young players, Duenas, Leone, and Torres getting called up for the under-17 Mexican national team is uh, big, big news. You know, good opportunity for those young men to showcase what they can do and uh, wish them the best. And hopefully they get some good experience during that time. Fantastic news. I was going to say, like, I want to hear all those biased Liga MX is better fans. Where are they now, right? You're coming and getting the young players from the MLS. So I mean, the, the league is going to rise, and they're recognizing that we have some dynamic players in our academy. And two of them already played in the senior team, the third one. It's going to be tough to get a starting spot as a center back when you're only 16. But I think Mexico is noticing, and who knows? Maybe he goes and plays in Mexico at some point on loan. Or he could break in in the next couple of years if he gets the right experience, Mr. Leone. Can't be too many people in Mexico that have gotten first-team minutes while they were 16 years old. So the experience that these three young men already have already you know, puts them in the conversation for selections for El Tri, which is sensational news for LAFC. Even if they go down there, don't see any real playing time, but just get exposed to the culture and the players and the ideas. That's all good for us. Uh, and definitely... Big things to come from those three men. Really excited to see what they have panning out. Well, so speaking of things on the horizon, we know collective bargaining negotiations are due up on the 22nd between ownership and players. Uh, We believe the current offer made by ownership is that the budget for the 21 and 22 seasons would be frozen. However, the current contract would be extended by two years from 2025 to 2027, allowing ownership two more years at that guaranteed rate that players would be earning through the 2025 portion of the collective bargaining agreement and not giving players the option to have that raise those two seasons in exchange for some consolation for the billion plus dollars ownership has lost due to coronavirus players feeling like one year into an agreement is a poor time even under force majeure clause reasons to back out of a contract is a showing of bad faith so that's currently where we sit i have not seen nor heard of a counter offer from mlspa so gentlemen i'm curious what you think of ownership's offer in order to extend this CBA to 2027 and those two additional years at guaranteed rates in exchange for the money lost in the 2020 season. I mean, you know, whenever you have a collective bargaining agreement and you've got two sides, there needs to be a lot of times a give and take. And I think that the reason that we haven't heard an instant refusal is because the Players Association is considering it. They're also maybe looking to come back with a counteroffer. But... I think that at the end of the day, there is some uh, incentive for the players if they decide to take up this offer. Uh, I think that ultimately the players don't want to strike. They want to play. They want to be a part of something that grows the league. So I think that they're going to want to try and find a way to make that happen. And I just hope that uh, if they do come back with a counteroffer, that it's something that the managers will agree upon, or if they decide that they want to accept that offer, then we're good to go. I agree. I think my my prediction will be they'll probably freeze it for a year and extend it by a year. It seems like the middle road. I think the outlook for this year is that at some point halfway or the last 
quarter of the season, there'll be some fans. Probably, I mean, there's a lot of fans in most stadiums except except California already, right? So I get it. You want to limit losses this year because last year was a windfall. But I do agree with the players that if you're extended by two years, you limit your earning potential by two years. So it doesn't it doesn't make any any sense to just go with this offer. All I'd want is for them to figure it out before the 22nd or agree on an extension before the season starts. Amen. Amen. Last thing anyone wants is strikes or lockouts or games not being played or the attention of the league being on something other than football. So I think they're going to meet in the middle. I think 2026 uh, will go the owner's way and 2027 will go the player's way if I was to to guess what's going to happen. But I hope that cooler heads prevail and everything comes out. Speaking of cooler heads, Chris, you looks like you can calm down a little bit about that next kit that's coming out because it has bro. been leaked that ra- rather than rose gold we will be adorned in linens so what are your thoughts on a linen kit and bro, it being better it's than pink? it's you know it's not pink it's good i'm content it's like a cream color with the black offset i'm all right with it you know it's not pink bro so we're good we're good no Christian, I agree with Chris. I'm, I'm assuming that you're you're no, going to love it because it's a former Man U kid. I mean, you've already inclined to like it. In fact, Chris is the one that told me that's why he liked it. It's crazy. No, no, that's that's not true. And let's not get on to this topic of United because uh, you guys were lucky. <laughs> you guys were lucky this past weekend. You know what I'm saying? Liverpool had your number. That sounded very convincing. Now it's what I believe. <laughs> so that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. Uh, oh no, man, I'm am I ever glad we are not in the same studio today? All right. <laughs> no, I like it. I mean, I like the the Man United version of it. So it's a it's a nice color. I, I do think pink would have made a, a splash and taken over what Miami was trying to do. But I'm sure there was some sort of conversation with Miami saying, "Hey, can you let us establish our brand before you take it over?" So that's kind of my take on it. Um, but I like, I, like, I like how the shield looks in that tan um, with the all-black font. Yeah, I, I don't have a big issue with it. I'm not super overjoyed that we're getting a linen color kit. That's not, you know, what I was wishing for. But, hey, look, in current climate and what we've seen in so many other teams, any kit that's not atrocious at this point, is, it's like relief. It's not joy that the new kit came out. There's not like excitement around the kit. I have like this fear that it's going to be awful. And when they show something and I realize that it's not terrible, it's like, ah, I feel like it's okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more placated than I am excited about it. But I, you know, I thought pink was going to be a bold move. I thought the rose gold kind of had a cool ring to it with, uh, with, you know, LASE's black and gold it fit with our color scheme it it seemed like it was smart now I, w- I was going to be okay with it and to know that you know chris was going to have to suffer for an entire <laughs> year that those kits there was you know that for those two years that was going to add that little bit of enjoyment to it as well too but i'm all right with us being uh covered in linens i guess uh, i was going to call it defenders to have a third on the photo shoot for chris oh my god no i i had uh <laughs> I had commented. I had commented on their picture of the two of them standing there in their tracksuit, you know. And I was just like, "Oh God!" I like the design of the pants. I just wish they were a different color. And one of them clapped back and told me that they loved it. So, whatever. 
Uh, their Miami Vice photo shoot. Yeah, we love you boys. Looking good out there. Anything to get their mind off the Mets right now, I think, is probably good catharsis for those two boys. But I'm not. I'm not touching that subject any further. <laughs> so speaking of new kits, LAFC fashionable in our linens. Uh, our folks north of the border here in uh, Montreal have a brand new not only kit but logo and name as well too. So adios. Impact. It's now. It's now Club de Foot, which I'm sure has, uh, you know, all the Tanya Hardings of the world running in horror. But sorry, that's a horribly outdated reference. Kids, go look up Tanya Harding. You'll get my joke. So yes, Club de Foot, Montreal. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. What are your thoughts? And the and the curious my, snowflake logo. You know what? My first initial reaction is that I think that the clubs in the MLS that have more of the American traditional name and mascot are seeing that the clubs that are basing their names off of cities and kind of taking from that European naming that they are successful and that there is a appeal to it. I think that some teams are looking to potentially rebrand. We've seen a lot of clubs rebrand over the last few seasons. Chicago, Houston, now Montreal. I think eventually it's going to be, you know, a lot of the clubs are going to change. I, I think it'll be very few clubs are going to be left with a uh, a city and mascot as their team. And it's that's just going to kind of be an accepted thing here in America. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I agree with you that maybe Europeans are famous for naming their teams after the city, but I feel like most of the world, except for like the US, some like Australian footy teams have like mascots attached to it. You know, what I like, I'm, I'm really into logos. It's a weird thing of mine. What I like about the logo is one, it does look like a snowflake. Two, it's made up of like M's. And I think the down arrow is supposed to be an impact on the logo. So I think that's cool. You have the French influence and one of my best friends, his wife is French, and she calls it foot, right? So I feel like this was talked to with the supporters and to the city, and they really went out there to talk to them about it, and they probably wanted to see something like this, to be in French and have the city's name on it and have aspects of the city in the logo. And I feel like Montreal Impact was them trying to adapt into the MLS because it was mostly American versus being... 100% true to the city because they do have a good tradition and supporter culture. Those are my guesses, uh, but I like the I like the logo and I like it saying Club de Foot, which is weird in English, but it's very French. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a while before I don't see it as Club de Foot, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll have to hear it a few times, then it'll, it'll have sort of have that, uh, Club de Foot, that ring Montreal. after all. There you go. My French is terrible, by the way, so um, I'm not going to try that, but... Uh, yeah, all the little M's around to make up the logo. I would just be careful you don't get sued by Metallica. Lars is going to come after you for uh, for that. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, in other fantastic news, and I have to admit, I, I literally had to Google this to find out what it is. Don't hate me. LAFC have been included in the new edition of Fortnite, along with Atlanta United and Seattle Sounders. And yes, I'm that old. I had to Google what Fortnite is. But I know it is definitely one of the most popular video games in the world. Do you guys have an opinion on LAFC making an appearance in Fortnite? I mean, I don't play it, but I just love that LAFC has a broad spectrum of exposure. And people like it across the board from older people like us to young kids. I just hope that some of the dances in Fortnite, if you get 
the LAFC gear is like after Latif because that dude could dance. So hopefully he's made it that big where he can level up with some Latif dances. Uh, I, I mean, it's good. You know, we do have the uh, Remy Martin as our eSports representative. And I think that Remy Martin does play more than just FIFA. Uh, so that could have something to do with how we got over into Fortnite. But it's, I mean, it's great. Anything that exposes LAFC, I think, is going to be good. And if, you know, go out and support. And if you play Fortnite, uh, get the skin and right on. Fantastic news. Great exposure for the club and everyone who is into video games. Not my world, but that's uh, that's fantastic. And just from an exposure standpoint, you know, the branding and marketing team, we know they kill it. And to be able to be one of only three MLS clubs included, the fact that no one from New York or, or really anyone in the entire Northeast is involved at all. And yet here we have Seattle, Atlanta United and L.A. all being a part of this. And of course, we are the only Los Angeles team and the only team in the greater Los Angeles area to be included as well, too, which makes it that much better that we can have a one up over those folks. So uh, in our last little bit of news and notes before we get into player grades, uh, we do have a couple new coaches across the MLS. We know we had mentioned what's going on down in Carson on the last couple shows, um, but now we see Phil Neville coming to Inter Miami and DC United with the hiring of Losada. Do you guys have any thoughts on those two hires or is this once again in camp? Don't care. Uh, Phil Neville, like that's that's an interesting one. I think I saw Grant Wall out there asking what the what the uh, uh, interview process was. I'm like, he probably just went through his Rolodex of class of '92 and so you saw who was available in the former Man United days. Um, so I know Phil Neville helped coach the England squad, uh, the national team. Um, so a couple cycles, and um, so we'll see. We'll see what he can do, and uh, we'll see what he thinks of the league and if he can adapt. And then for Hernando Sala from Argentina, if I recall correctly, I think he's going to be the youngest MLS coach at age 38 this upcoming season, which is interesting that um, we're getting interest coaching-wise from across the pond and then more and more from South America. So I think those are good things trending forward where this league is being seen more and more seriously uh, worldwide on the spectrum of do i really care i mean it's just another club with a new coach i had read because i i wasn't really too familiar with hernan losada and so i had read you know where he was and what he was doing and somebody was there was i stumbled across some article the club that he is leaving in antwerp and it was just talking about how the people were like so upset that he was leaving this belgian team because uh you know, I guess they really believed in him and they thought that he was doing some good things. And, you know, if, again, if it helps bring exposure to the league and it helps elevate us and, you know, gets people to, you know, respect the league and recognize a little bit, right on. Yeah, as long as he's the only one going to D.C. United and it's not Metsu Ozil, then I'm happy. Because I, I didn't want to have to root against Ozil. I'm much happier that he's going to Turkey with Fenerbahce. Now I don't have to uh, to root against him. So Bro, I'm happy in that, that regard. You're not that German. We, we, we <laughs> talked about this. We figured it out. You're not that German. Hey, look, you don't yeah. just, you know, turn in your later hose and, and <laughs> stop being German. All right? It just doesn't yes, work that way. Do. It's my whole life. It's my name. My last name is Raima. Like, you can't just just forget about all that, you know? I've got four decades of being German here, all right? Give me a break. Anyway, best of luck, Ozil and Fenerbahce. I hope you, 
have all the assists in the world. I just want to be the fly on the wall when David Beckham calls Phil Neville up and like tries to convince him to come to the MLS. I'm very curious to hear what that conversation was like, how much he had to try and convince him to go from being, you know, gaffer at England to to Inter Miami. Like that's that's such a massive. Do you think, do you think sport. Gary got pissed off? He's like, dude, I can leave this guy job right now. I want to go to Miami. You know what? Yeah. I, you think about it, though. It's like, hey, you spent so many years in England, and it's like, mm, Miami might be nice for a couple of years. Yeah, I, I don't that. know. No income taxes, dude. I, no. I, I can't imagine that he's hurting for money <laughs> after being, you know, a professional football player, played for Man U, coached England, coached TV contract. I, I can't imagine he did it for the money. I think he just did it for Bex. I think he did it to hook his boy up. Probably called him up and gave him that. Oh, oh yeah, Mister Neville, come on, come couch for me over here, Miami. Like, I'll drive it back home. And like, well, you can't say no to that. He's got that voice, right? He could just say anything to you, right? And you'd be like, okay. Like he's so like, oh, it's just you know, I'm driving back home. You know, you're gonna do what I say. And you can't, you can't say no to that. You can't. By the way, did you see that video where he nutmeg goal? Like, uh, he shot a goal, like, uh, nutmegging someone. I'm like, dude, why isn't he playing? In practice? Yeah, yeah. in practice. Like, practice He's probably better than their entire team, even at his age right now. All right, well, let's go ahead and get on to player grades here. Um, so let's go ahead and transition into uh, second half of the show. And Chris, why don't you uh, go ahead take the run for us here you guys want to start with the midfield since we kind of worked our way from keepers to defenders so why don't we head into the midfield and chris why don't you roll through just to recap for our guests uh we are going to attempt to keep me as brief as possible in my thoughts about each player here uh, and just give them a player grade so we'll see how well that works out yeah right let's yeah let's see how long these 15 second grades go so we've got six midfielders we're going to talk about today latif Janela Cifuentes, Mark Anthony K, Bryce Duke, and of course El Profe Atuesta. Um, so top to bottom, grades. Latif Blessing, Christian, what do you think? A plus. Are... Now is that is that a is that a heartfelt like you're, he's pulling at your heartstrings because he just happens to be your favorite player? You give him an A plus or no? He was our Swiss Army knife. He played everywhere throughout the season. He was for the most part healthy. I think except for the one time he had, I think, a cold. So he came off the bench. He started. He played right back, midfield, striker, right wing. So Latif, I felt like he left everything on the field every time he played. So that's why I'm giving him an A+. Plus, he played well for the most part. Jonathan? I think he deserves a 12th Man of the Year award across MLS. His ability to play defense mid and forward he could step in anywhere anytime he's a spark plug in all three of those places what's not to love about Latif how do you not give him an A plus um, because he didn't lock down one of those spots as the regular starter it's probably more about his versatility than it is about his ability and when he comes in in the 60th or 70th minute it absolutely changes the game so a, A plus for me all the way, but just because of him coming out before that game versus Philadelphia, uh, signing the ball, giving it to Mandy, having that little moment with us before the game, A plus, double plus. And how much longer do you guys expect 
Latif to be on the team. Do you think that he'll be transferred this offseason uh, in the July transfer window, or do you think that he'll still be with the club for uh, some more time? I think he will play until he's about 65, and every single one of those seasons will be with LAFC. I honestly think it. I feel. I feel like if his wife comes over, if they can get her some sort of visa, he stays. If not, he's gonna go to whatever country can do that, <laughs> and he's gonna probably go in the window after that's done. So that's my prediction. Because he's always posting pictures like with her now um, or of her. So I feel like there. That's something there. He doesn't have really family here, and he wants his spouse to be around. Number eight, Pancho Ginella. Christian, what's your uh, grade for uh, Ginella? I'll give him a B minus. I expected more when we signed him. I remember reading up on him, some write-ups from Vince, some observations that his through passability, his angles were good, but I just feel like he lacks speed. I feel like he lacks effort at times, or he has defensive lapses. So I think he's more of a liability defensively at times, not always. But he is a solid player. I just think he's a good kind of backup. I don't think he has made a case, at least in my opinion, to be a starter yet. Jonathan? So if we were bringing him in to be on the bench and to come in late in games and just eat up minutes, if that was the intent upon signing him, okay, good letter grade. But he was brought in with very high expectations. We all thought he was going to be a a key piece in the midfield. He lacks pace, as you've mentioned. He lacks physicality. The mental side is not there as well, too. He's made poor choices. He's cost us games, big games, arguably the biggest game we've ever played. It's hard for me to give a kind grade there. Now, look, I know he's new to the system, hasn't been with the team very long. I still have very high expectations for him going forward. And I think 2021 is a year in which he could absolutely be many of those things we thought he was going to be upon signing. But right now, it's got to be a C-plus, B-minus for me. Uh, and I'm more in the C-plus camp just based on recency bias there. And how much longer do you think he's going to be with the club? I think we definitely have at least two to three more seasons with him. Uh, If he pans out, then I could see a transfer of him going up and a sale. But if he doesn't pan out, then I don't see a lateral move within MLS. And it might be just letting the contract run out before he goes off to find the next deal. At this trajectory, I think he stays with the squad throughout his contract. Unless he makes significant advances in his development he's not going to europe so we'll see all right jose cifuentes jonathan you want to start us off with this one sifu has really been up and down in a lot of games but the ups to me are going to give me a solid b for him for the season what we saw from him in potential and again another guy who has not been with the squad very long new to Los Angeles, new to this neck of the world. So take it all with a big grain of salt. Same with Janela. But when he was on, he was absolutely on. Huge moments in big games for us. I have to go in the B-plus B camp. Another person that I think is going to take another step forward in 2021 and has shown a lot of improvement already and someone I expect to continue to improve with us. 
I think this is a person that could be a big part of our midfield for the next two to three seasons. Hopefully that development continues. And this is someone we could be looking to sell on. I absolutely see that potential. And I think he's already shown that trajectory for us. So a uh, fantastic first season uh, could have been better. Of course, of course, but based on what we saw solid B for me, I agree with you. He's a B and had he not had COVID, I think that's another variable that could have gotten us Champions League because the fact that he couldn't go a full match with so many games in succession, I think hindered the team a little bit because he's gritty. If he's not having a good offensive game, his effort is not going to be lacking. He's going to get stuck in. He's going to make sure you remember that he's in the midfield and he has a good shot and his passing ability is good when he's on. So I think, I think he is going to be a really big part of this upcoming season. And I think he's a starter, to be honest with you. He's gone to that point, and I think he showed in big games that he can perform. And I think that's going to be important for us once we make the playoffs this year. You bring up a huge point there with COVID. How players are going to recover from that, what lung and heart issues might arise is something that is absolutely terrifying and frightening for, frankly, you know, one in three Angelinos right now who have either had the disease or have already overcome it. It's, I think we're all sort of all caught up in the loss and the tragedy and the fear and the lockdown and so many of these other things that we forget what the post-COVID world is going to look like with regards to player health and how recovering players are going to be able to recoup and perform. And will there be permanent damage or effect is something that you know, it's very frightening, very, very scary, and hopefully, you know, Sifu pulls out of that okay, and you make a, an absolutely amazing point there, that that was a huge piece of holding him back last season, and without that, could have been a whole different story come the end of the year. And do you guys think that he'll, same thing with Janela, where it's, you know, he'll finish out his contract here unless there's a significant increase in performance on the pitch? Uh, I think he could already sell for two to three times what Janela would go for right now. I think he absolutely has sell-on potential, and I think it's only going up. I agree. I, I see his type of profile going to either Italy or England. He just has that kind of a gritty, hard-nosed midfielder. He could be a true number six somewhere. And I think he, he made so much more progress in less time than Janela. So I, I do think... His future in Europe is there if he can perform the next season or two. Okay, Mark Anthony K. Guys, what uh, what do you guys think about Mr. Mark Anthony K? Uh, we'll leave Jonathan for the last on that one. I'll give him a B. I think he he was maybe B B minus. He was solid. I think he did give us everything he had. He played his his heart out. I just think he did have some lapses himself in defense, and I think. For a player that's been here three seasons, sometimes his his touch wasn't as clean, and I know that's something that you know the team practices and is harped on. I think his body positioning at times wasn't good. Other times he was great. Like he got us the first goal in the in the final, right? I guess the story here is it's not always consistent. He has really really good highs and then some lows that you expect more from from Mark Anthony K in his third season. I know he's had injuries. And I think that's kind of hindered his his consistency and his progress. But I guess he's allowed us to see his best. And at times, you know, he couldn't consistently get there. 
All right. So I definitely get a lot of flack for my takes on Mark Anthony K, but uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to defend it. Uh, you know, look, I think he's an eloquent, loquacious man. I think he speaks very well, both publicly about football, publicly about human rights issues. We know he was recently named as one of the senior players for the MLSPA. I forget exactly what the term is. I think he's uh, maybe a, a cabinet member or chairperson. I forget exactly what the title is, but I know he's one of only two or three MLS players to be a senior representative for the players in the MLSPA. So we know off the pitch, A+. plus, Right? The work he does you know, in media, the work he does in the community, the work he does for the players is all absolutely exceptional. But as far as the on the pitch Mac is concerned, there are two very different people. There is Mac, the defender, who's great. You know, he'll go in and give a proper tackle. Maybe a bit too forceful sometimes, but, you know, that's okay from time to time. He's great at positioning. He'll cut out a pass. I love Mac the defender, maybe not on set pieces, but Mac the defender in the midfield is definitely someone I'm a big fan of. Mac on offense, however, is is not someone I'm very happy with. Without a twist around him or a blessing around him to consistently bail him out, he gets himself into trouble that coughs up a lot of turnovers. And I'm sorry, the passing is just not there for me. I know I tend to be a bit hypercritical of midfielders and their passing abilities, so be it. But what we've seen from him is just not enough for me to give him an on-the-pitch grade better than, you know, a C in offense uh, and a B in defense, which kind of falls in between. And I'll tip him over to the B-minus scale for all the work he does outside the pitch. But Look, Mark Anthony K is not a player that's going to progress a lot uh, at this stage in his career. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of change going forward. It is what it is at this point. And it's not something that you expect to be error free. He will occasionally have games where he is brilliant. But, you know, two or three times a game, he's going to put you in a pretty rough situation. And those situations have cost us in the past. And that just happens too frequently for me to be to the moon about a player. Sorry, Mac. We love you as a person. You're black and gold. You represent us well. We love all of those things. But on the pitch, there are always going to be those issues for me. Okay. And transfers. Do you feel that Mark Anthony, you know, at one point, I think it was last season, there was the rumor of him going to Genk. Do you guys think that there is a future for Mark Anthony Kay uh, with another club, maybe across the pond? Or do you think that, you know, it's something maybe within another uh, MLS club? What do you guys think? I think if he goes anywhere, he goes north of the wall. He's going to Canada. I think he's just got that maple syrup flowing through him. That's, that's where he wants to be. I think that's more likely than anywhere else in the world. I think he's going to be... The replacement for Bradley up in the six once he retires. That's what I think. I think he goes to Toronto once Bradley retires. Hmm. Uh, he's not going to be clubbing feet? No. He doesn't speak French. Uh, you never know. He could. Go to Vancouver. Uh, I don't know. I like Mark Anthony Kay. I hope he stays. <laughs> I hope he stays because I like, you know, when it, when we have Oswesta and Kay, 
and Sifu, I like that combination. And having Blessing come in as uh, a sub off of the bench, I I find that it works. But, you know, I'm just the guy with the oranges on the sidelines, so. <laughs> well, look, I mean, look uh, if we're putting together an LAFC best starting 11 right now, I think Kay's in a lot of people's starting 11. I, you know, maybe not mine. But I think for a lot of people, he would be in the starting eleven. Um, I, I look. I I think everybody says uh, two thirds of this podcast wouldn't have him in the starting eleven. <laughs> okay, well, all right. That's that's enough, Mackey. Let's move on. Uh, I like Mark Anthony K. So <laughs> I like him. We all like him. We all like him. We're just being real. Well, no, you like him for you like him for his off the field, you know, activism. I like him on the pitch, but. Yeah. Latif had his grit or like his his ability to just get up in, in people's faces. That that's what I like most of his game. You know? Uh the enforcer uh and the defense. I agree with Jonathan. The offense is just I think it's it's um it's something that he, he's had to learn the last few years because I don't think that was his natural position. Okay, our first homegrown player in club history. Bryce Duke. What do you guys think of Bryce Duke? Uh he's clearly the highest player rating we could ever give out as the only active player to have been on this show he clearly gets a triple plus status there you go episode 71 for those of you interested we did a bryce duke interview episode 71 go check it out anyways okay so and ronaldo were to have like some sort of genetic crossing in the test too and yet you mixed in like the blue steel zoolander face that would be bryce duke a plus (laughs) <laughs> I will say Bryce is what nineteen twenty, so I think his composure and uh, his passing ability, his vision is there. I think he probably needs to get bigger this this off season, and I think get a little grittier. Learn from Mark Anthony K, and he could he could push. I can see him pushing for a starting spot sooner than Janela. So that's my opinion. I was excited because at the beginning of the season, I felt like we saw a lot of him. And then after the MLS's back tournament and COVID and stuff like that, it, it seemed like his minutes had significantly dropped off. But I felt like, you know, his making his debut in the Leon game, I thought he played very well, you know, from the very beginning of the season. But all right, let's get down to the man, the myth, El Profe. I think we all know. Edward Artuesta is definitely going to be getting A's from all of us, and we're not going to be seeing him in an LAFC jersey much longer. But go ahead, guys. What do you guys think? I'd say A+. plus. If it wasn't for Djakovic slowing him down this year and injuring him in the MLS's back, I think he he has a he- healthier season. Uh, but you could tell when he is not on the team. That's part of another part of the reason why I think we didn't perform as, as well in the final. I think in the middle of the season, when he was injured along with Carlos Vela, I felt like the impact of him missing was probably greater than Carlos Vela because at that point, Rossi was, was handling the goals and doing well, but no one was really handling the midfield. And I think he's just defensively gritty. When he takes the ball, he, not only does he not lose the ball, but he has a creative way of getting out of trouble or finding the right pass because of his vision. His long passes are good. His short passes are good. He has really good chemistry with uh, Atuesta, and it felt like when he played with Murillo, the same thing. So he's just one of those players that 
if he has a ball, everyone's confidence goes up. And then for whatever reason, everyone starts doing things better. And that's just the kind of impact he has, the kind of skill set he, he has as well. So I agree with you, Chris, that. And, you know, Bob said the same thing. It, it, there's eyes on him, and who knows how long he's really going to be here. And I'm happy for him because that's one of the goals he had when he came from Colombia. Sadly, not a player we're going to see very long. Arguably the best player on our team, not named Carlos Vela. I think there are arguments that he is more valuable to us than Rossi is. There are arguments that a game without Rossi, we, we still have a pretty good chance of winning. A game without a Tuesta is definitely a game in which we are going to struggle in so many different areas. He ties so many things together. He, he's such a cog in that midfield machine. He just makes the entire engine run. And without him in there, it is not the same football. It's not the same ideas happening out on the field when he's not there. It is going to be a sad day when he leaves. Hopefully it is for an astronomical amount of money. That would really be the only thing I think that would make us all okay with it. But for any transfer less than 16 or 17 million at this point, I would be disappointed in that sale. And it's going to be a huge loss to the on the field product when he goes. It's not an if, uh, it's a matter of when at this point. I definitely think it could be within the next year. It could be as early as next week. Uh, it could be this coming summer more likely. But I, I do not think a twist is going to be with us long. I, I hope we get an entire break struck for him. It's been a blessing to have him in the midfield. And it's going to be a bummer when he's gone, for sure. Well, guys, all right, we're done with our midfield. Glad that was the greatest 30 seconds I ever had in my life. You guys are the worst. Really long-winded. I mean, we've already been talking for a good amount of time. I think that we should probably save our strikers and, you know, give our listeners another reason to listen to the following episode or maybe even the one after that because we've got big things on the next one, right? Mr. Larry. Big, big. Oh, we're not supposed to say. Big cheese. Oh. Ideas. Oh, yeah. Well, there's multiple. But there's, well, there's multiple Larrys. So which Larry are we getting? Interesting. Anyways, we're going to come back with our strikers. We're going to talk about uh, Corey Baird, our newest signing, Diego Carlos Masoski, Raito, Christian Torres, the young wonder kid, and Opoku Mahala. Greatest Bob Bradley yell from the sideline that we could hear. I kind of want that as a ringtone. I want that as like a text message alert. Like my phone, just Bob's voice. Mahala! Like I, yeah. <laughs> I also think that would be so. like the start of a really epic like Nordic metal song as well too. Just go from that like straight into some blast beats. I'm all for it. Or a Dragon wow. Ball Z like crazy move. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the uh, the Dune esque uh, killing word, right? That's what they say right when they cast the big game. Oh, no. Yeah, I can see that as well too. I'm all for it. <laughs> and how, how did we get here? Uh, <laughs> But to Dune uh, references? Oh, I mean, what'd you expect? Okay. So, anyways, uh, for any of those that are interested in coming on, uh, telling us your story, please uh, shoot us an email or a direct message on uh, Instagram or Twitter at LAFCS2S. If you have any comments or if you have stuff you want us to talk about, let us know, and uh, we will definitely try to get that into the program. 
And, uh, you know, look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Again, we have a very big interview with uh, A. Larry from the club. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll go over those uh, forwards. Maybe, probably not with the episode with Larry. But we will go over those forwards again. Just more content in the off season to get you guys through onto the next season. So, on behalf of uh, Jonathan and Christian and myself, I want to say thank you for everybody for listening to our podcast and uh, take us home, sticks.